0: When you just said that, it reminded me of uh, the gentleman we were talking about buying his property management company. He was talking about how he loved the eviction process, and his favorite part was was when, <laughs> was when the sheriff came and took their stuff to the curb. And
1: yeah, he yeah, would be the we'll first just,
0: person out there looking for a good tool.
1: We'll just not name names <laughs> there, but yeah.
0: Good here, I think
1: so.
0: <laughs> all right. So, do you have a dentist appointment? I do.
1: So you must not have had major surgery if you're here talking. Not major surgery. I need to get a crown replaced next week though. Oof. I had like I have
0: I have holes in my back teeth where stuff is falling out. Oof. Um, I've just been putting it off. You know. But anyways, all right. So today's topic is evictions. The worst part of owning rental property. Yeah. I um I know we've talked about it in the past a little bit. We've put some content out there. Uh I thought it'd be interesting to talk about it from, you know, maybe a little bit different of an angle. We can go over, you know, the eviction process in general, but um people you know, people tend to avoid the eviction conversation. And I think personally I think that's the wrong attitude to have towards it. So I want to dig into that. So Okay. So evictions, let's just start off by defining, you know, the obvious. What what is an eviction? Okay.
1: An eviction is the process of physically removing a non-paying or otherwise non-compliant tenant from a rental property. Right? So you have a lease agreement
0: with some tenants and it says you got to pay your rent, mm-hmm. you can't do XYZ. These are the rules of living here. Um, So, there's two two reasons, uh, if I'm not mistaken, why somebody could get evicted. Mm -hmm. They don't pay rent Mm -hmm. or they break their lease in some way. Right? So, this is uh, different by state, I think. Mm -hmm. Right? So, I guess we can
1: talk about it from a Florida perspective. Correct. So, different states have... Different landlord-tenant laws. Uh, the landlord-tenant act in Florida is section eighty-three of the Florida code. And you remember that? I remember that. Um, Florida has a, I think, pretty well balanced, a fair, uh, landlord-tenant law or code. So some states, and I'm not familiar with the landlord-tenant laws in all 50 states. But for example, in Massachusetts where my father lives, the landlord-tenant laws are heavily biased in favor of tenants such that it is extremely difficult to evict a non-paying tenant. So you're talking about six months to a year from what I've heard anecdotally um, to evict a non-paying tenant. In Florida, you'll be able to get someone out within a month. So, except for right now, it, well, except for right now. Right. So there's a a federal moratorium and uh, our governor also, I believe, had a, a state moratorium on evictions. But ordinarily in a non-pandemic time, if someone doesn't pay you in August, they are out by the end of August. You got me interested about this uh, moratorium now. Do you know anything about that? So it is not that tenants don't have to pay rent. So there are some uh, sectors of our uh, population, some uh, politicians who are saying that we should cancel rent. (laughs) Um, That is not what the the federal or state moratoriums do. Uh, They don't say that a tenant doesn't have to pay ever. Or for a period of time during which a state of emergency or or the pandemic has been declared as a public health crisis. Uh, It just says that for a specified period of time, you can't kick someone out of their house or out of the house that they are renting from you. So, what what
0: kind of position does that put the property owner in? Uh,
1: A very difficult one. They still have to pay their mortgage? Yes, but there's also a uh, a federal foreclosure moratorium that goes hand-in-hand hand with the eviction moratorium. So, similar to the tenant who still has to pay, just can't get kicked out for a specified period of time, the property owner who has a mortgage still has to pay their mortgage. They just can't be foreclosed on. So, for most owners... Uh, once they have depleted their reserves, and hopefully all of our owners have reserves, everyone listing has reserves. Uh, you've gotten past, say, two or three months of savings for your properties, and you're still not collecting rent. And now it's a real hardship to continue to make your mortgage payments. Uh, each lender is going to handle that situation a little differently, but by and large, you're still. Uh, obligated to pay your mortgage. If you don't, your lender can't foreclose on you, but you would still owe all of the monies that you did not pay once this foreclosure moratorium is lifted. And once it is lifted, if you are not able to pay back all of the money that you owe, at that point they could begin the foreclosure proceedings. Did you see that post
0: Charlie Peters put online? Yes. That was crazy. It was pretty crazy, yeah. So it it was basic. I mean... All I saw was the pictures in his description of it, but it, you know, just a bunch of trash in the yard where somebody just looks like they just, I don't know why they would do that, just threw, threw all their stuff outside, apparently. I don't know, or had a party or something. Or something. And then, yeah, you couldn't get them out. So, right. I wonder, uh, do you know where he ended up with it?
1: No, I haven't followed up with him about it.
0: Well, well luckily, we haven't had any of these issues yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so in normal times, mm-hmm. Let's talk through,
1: even if it's just at a high level, the eviction process. Okay. So, a lease will specify that a tenancy is for a particular term. Ordinarily, that starts from the first of the month until the 31st of the month, 12 months later right? So we just moved some people into your rental property and their lease started on August 1st and it runs through July 31st of next year, right? So pretty typical. Uh, sometimes leases will run middle of the month, middle of the month kind of thing or odd dates, but um, for simplicity's sake, it's easy to have it first of the month you know, and then running through the 31st of 12 months later. So Rent would then be due on each first of the month, and leases will ordinarily have some type of grace period, three, four, or five days, wherein the tenant can pay during that time, even if it's not on the first of the month, uh, and they're not charged any late fees. So it's counted as if it's on time, right? Um, mortgages have a grace period; it's 15 days. So. Some people take advantage of that every single time. Uh, some people do, yeah. <laughs> it's a little annoying, but yeah, I can't hate them too much for it. Right. And so with, with a lease, again, generally it's three, four, five days. Uh, if they have not paid within the grace period, then late fees start to accrue as per the lease. Again, different leases will have different late fees. Um, sometimes they'll accrue each per day. Sometimes there's a front-loaded amount to account for the day's that the person is already late uh, and then will be a a specific daily amount. It can vary. And so once those late fees start accruing, typically then an owner or property manager will post a three-day notice, which is just what it sounds like. It's a notice that says you need to make payment in full within three days, excluding weekends and holidays. Uh, and if you don't make that full payment within those three days, then we are moving forward with the eviction process. Yeah, it's a very specific, um,
0: formatted, right. worded document, right. letter. Yes.
1: Right. So, okay, and you actually physically put it on the door. Right? Oftentimes, yes, you can you can deliver it uh, to the tenant in person. You can post it on the premises. I think you can also send it by certified mail, um, but typically it's posted on the premises. Right, so three day notice. Hopefully everything straightens out from there. What if the what if it doesn't? If not, then you proceed to court and work through the process of presenting the case to the judge and the judge delivering the the notice of eviction and the writ of possession so that the sheriff then can actually go and knock on the door and say you need to be out. And if you're not out, then they're hauling your stuff to the curb. Yeah. Which, when you when you just said that, it reminded me of uh, the gentleman we were
0: talking about buying his property management company. He was talking about how he loved the eviction process, and his favorite part was was when, yeah. <laughs> was when the sheriff came and took their stuff to the curb. And
1: yeah, he would yeah, be the we'll first just, person
0: out there looking for a good
1: tool. We'll just not name names <laughs> there, but yeah, yeah, you know the eviction process. Um, it's an unfortunate thing. Uh, unfortunately, some people fall upon hard times and are not able to make their rent payments. And an owner just can't bear with that forever, you know, before they start putting themselves in hardship as well. And so they have to get the tenant out and get a new tenant in who's paying. Um, But there are also those, and I've certainly experienced this in my own time owning rental properties, there are people who know how to game the system. And they know how to the right things to say uh, to take advantage of people of good faith um, who want to do the right thing, and they will try and stretch it out as long as they possibly can, and they will try and try and game the system as hard as they possibly can to try and live somewhere for free for as long as they possibly can.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's almost like you want to have you know these strict uh, procedures around eviction. And you want to have your compassion within that, within those boundaries, Mm -hmm. you know, because you're going to get in a lot of trouble if all of a sudden you start, you know, for this person, you're letting this sort of situation happen. But for this person, you're not like you really have to. This is how we do it. (laughs) On this day, you're getting this. If this doesn't happen, these are
1: your options. Yeah, Yeah, you can't show favoritism. You need to uh, you need to be fair and, an equitable and treat everyone the same. Yeah. So, uh, for us, it's, you know, we
0: made the decision early on mm-hmm. to kind of outsource that, yep. you know, we both said, you know, we agreed that yes, there needs to be a procedure. Yes. It needs to be, you know, like clockwork It needs to be followed. Yep. Um, and you know, we didn't want to mess around with it. So we actually outsource, uh, the running, I guess you would call it, of that initial three-day notice, um, and then also if it gets that far, the actual eviction process. Um, but our our goal, obviously, and I think everybody's goal probably is, unless you're a bad person, uh, is to avoid eviction. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to get evicted, and nobody wants to evict somebody. It's not good for anybody. <laughs> um, stuff happens, so let's talk about. Uh, you know, I guess uh, working through evictions, what options there are, and then get into some of the things that you can do to avoid eviction on the front side. So one of the
1: things that comes to mind is cash for keys. Mm-hmm. You want to talk people through what that is? Sure. Uh, so sounds just like what it is. It is an offer to a tenant who is not going to be able to make their rent payment. Uh, They're not going to be able to come up with the money to pay their rent plus any accrued late fees within the specified time. And rather than spend the money to go through the court process in order to evict them, the goal is to use a portion of that money. Ideally, you're using a portion of that money. You don't want to just use all of it. there is hopefully some savings in the cash for keys process to the owner uh, by offering a sum, let's say take a thousand dollars to evict somebody by offering a sum of something like 500 or $750 to the tenant to vacate voluntarily Mm -hmm. and quickly rather than dragging out the eviction process. So rather than saying, okay, it's, uh, the fifth of the month, they haven't paid, and so we're posting the three-day notice. And then it's the eighth, and they still haven't paid, so we're trying to make you know some final arrangements with them. They say you know we're not going to be able to pay. You're going to have to evict us. Rather than going through the court process and possibly getting them evicted by the end of the month, and then having to turn around and try and rent the property uh, very quickly for the following month, which is probably not going to happen. So then you end up with non-payment in month one and then no tenant in month two so you've gone two months probably without any rent you're approaching that non-paying tenant on the eighth or thereabouts hopefully offering them cash for keys saving yourself or in our case the client some money um well that's not even true in our case because we don't pass along that cost to our owners we have the no eviction guarantee but um there's there's an offer of some sum to the tenant in order to get them to move out quickly. So ideally, you know, within a couple of days, you'd say, okay, for this sum of money, um, you'll be out, have the place you know, cleaned and, and marketable for us, rentable um, within three or four days. So that by the 12th, 13th, somewhere around there, you are able to get the property back on the market and hopefully have a tenant by that next month. So then best case scenario, the property owner is only out one month of rental income. Right. So, it's an attempt at really a win-win,
0: mm-hmm. right? Because right. the, the the tenant is probably in a position right. where they can't pay you, otherwise they would. Mm-hmm. Um, and you as a property owner don't want to miss out on income. Right. So, you're trying to broker some sort of deal that says, get out, here's some money, right. <laughs> here's some incentive, right. and get out quickly so that I can get somebody else in
1: okay. and start making some money. So... So you're minimizing the cost of the eviction, again, for most people, for our clients, there's that promise that we're not ever going to pass along that cost of the eviction to them. We cover that for our clients if we ever have to evict someone that we've placed in the property. Uh, But for most people, there's a a savings in the eviction process by not doing that. And then for the tenant, there's a sum of money that they would not otherwise have to help them move on and, and get to their next place. Yeah. So for us, there's an there's an added incentive
0: to get it right on the front end because <laughs> yep. we never want to pay. We never want to have to pay to evict somebody. Right. That's just, that would be bad business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're literally taking that responsibility on ourselves and saying, we're going to be so uh, picky in the tenant procurement process that you know, it minimizes the eviction rate down to something that we're comfortable with. Uh, So let's talk about, you know, some of the things that we do on the front end to try to minimize evictions on the back end.
1: Okay. So before we ever show a property, we have some preliminary screening questions that we're going to run through with a tenant. Uh, Those being that they have not had an eviction in the past four years. So that shows a, a base level of um, trustworthiness and being able to pay their rent and responsibility. Uh, no felony convictions. So we want to make sure that folks have, by and large, been law abiding law abiding people. Uh, both for the sake of any neighboring tenants uh, and certainly for ourselves and our staff. We want to make sure that our we're not putting our employees in danger by renting these people. Um, want to make sure that they have a Credit score of 600 or 650 or better, ideally, um, showing that they are creditworthy more broadly than just with respect to their rent payments, and then uh, also that they make at least three times the monthly rental amount in income. So, if someone's you know making two times the monthly rent amount, then they're going to be hard pressed to make rent and provide for their other necessities. So some places even, um, charges high as or require as high as 4%, uh, four times rather the, um, the monthly rental amount. But I think we found that for, for any, except a super low dollar, um, uh, rental property three times is going to be, going to be very comfortable. It's going to be sufficient right. to be able to cover the rent and one's other responsibilities.
0: It was interesting as we were filling, um, my duplex, like you get some real sob stories in there. Yeah. You know, and we, we had to go through, I mean, we got hundreds, it seemed like, of people that were
1: interested in the property. I mean, it was dozens and dozens, and it was probably, yeah, approaching a hundred. Yeah. It was, I mean, what it was just only two weeks, I think. Right. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, just some of, I was just reading, you know, following the communication, and someone was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't have a job because of COVID right now or something like that. You know, it's like, do I, do I make an exception or what? But you got to stick to your, you got to fall back on the process. You know,
1: you got to fall back on the process. Um, At the same time, and I will uh, give you a lot of credit for designing the marketing process. The key is to drive enough traffic to the property that you're able to basically have your pick of tenants. So when we had dozens and dozens and dozens of people contacting us, we're able to negotiate from, vet tenants from, uh, place tenants from a position of strength, uh, a position of confidence rather than one, and, and I should say a position of abundance rather than one of scarcity. Yeah. So if you have a position of scarcity, you're like, okay, oh man, I only got one person to choose from. I guess I'm going to rent to them. Um, But because you've designed such a a good, robust um, marketing process, you drive a high level of traffic to the property. It makes uh, dealing with that type of traffic actually almost overwhelming because there's so many people reaching out. It's hard to actually consistently follow up with everybody. But it does give you a position of abundance whereby you're able to then place the very best tenant for that property in that property, which is what we're able to do. Yeah, there were there were some uh interesting challenges that popped up from
0: that. You you mentioned one was just responding to that many people. Yeah, in, a in such time. a short amount
1: of time. Yeah, that, that actually um was challenging. But that that's that's the type of challenge you want to have. You know, yeah. it's much better than the alternative. I mean, imagine if you, if we have, you know,
0: I don't know. 10, 15, 20 vacancies that we're trying to fill. Mm -hmm. Like at some point we're going to have to try to figure out how to deal with that better, (laughs) more efficiently, but, uh, we'll get there. Um, yeah, it was, so just to, to shout out a few things we tried there. So we put actually on Facebook marketplace of all places. So when you, when you have a, a business page, you can post it through there and post it on the marketplace that got a bunch of, um, a bunch of traffic and then also Zillow rental manager mm. and Craigslist believe it or not.
1: Yep. Yeah, I, I think we got a ton of uh, leads from Craigslist.
0: I don't ever personally go on Craigslist. I mean, sometimes I go on there to look for free stuff that I can flip on Facebook or <laughs> eBay. You never you might find a good tool, you know I never. Mean? Sure. Um, but yeah, those those were interesting. I think you know, if if you're managing if you're self-managing this stuff, you could probably get plenty of leads just from those two, three free places. But on the flip side of that, you got to process all that. So be ready for that. (laughs) Um,
1: All right. So do you want to talk a little bit more about the vetting process? Because we talked about the four initial questions, but we actually do have a more lengthy application than that. So, um, well, I don't know if we want to go into all of our (laughs) application questions, but beyond the initial four screening questions, which do – give you a good sense of the creditworthiness and the quality of the applicant. If they pass those four, they're probably going to pass the rest of the application, but it, it does give us a deeper dive. We do want to be honest with everyone and say, look, you know, there's a $50 application fee that covers your background check and your credit check and your criminal history, you know, your eviction check. And so if we don't think you're going to qualify, we don't want you to spend that money, right? We just don't want to be collecting application fees and sending out denial letters. That's yeah. not what we're in the business to do.
0: A lot of companies do that. They'll, They'll get 50 to 100 applications at 50 bucks a pop or whatever it is and then pick one.
1: Right. And so, I mean, we're not trying to take advantage of the public in that way, right? We we don't just want to be making money on application fees um, when we know someone's going to get denied. That's not fair. It's not right. Um, so we want to go through those initial screening questions, and then take them through, you know, the the, the more in depth application, which has more questions. Some good ones for people to know are like, how much money do you have in savings? You know, um, that's going to help us understand again a, a, an applicant's financial strength. If something like COVID hits, do you have six months of savings in the bank where you can? float this for a little while, you know, so that's helpful. Um, But then again, going through that criminal background and eviction check, um, credit history, having people go through that, that, you know, helps us to better vet and qualify applicants to make sure that we're putting the best possible people into their, into their rentals. Yeah. So there's, there's essentially three
0: phases to our screening. There's um, the actual ad that we're putting out the listing and, and we're literally putting in there. These are the requirements, you know, if there's, if there's no pets allowed, just say it in the in the listing. Right. Reduce your chances of getting people that are you know pet owners. Um, so that's one. And then there's the uh, kind of the phone screen that you mentioned, which is those initial questions. And then there's the actual application, uh, which is kind of the formal process that everybody thinks about for the background check, uh, et cetera.
1: Right, and an additional six, eight, ten questions.
0: Right. Right. And then I, I guess you could, you could kind of add a fourth um, when you're doing the showing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an informal, you know, does this person show up drunk to the, you know, drunk and loud and obnoxious, right. you know, are they on time, that sort of thing.
1: Right. Yeah. And we want to make sure that people are seeing the property in person before they're making that application. I mean, some people do just say, hey, you know, I saw it online, send me an application. But- We do want to get people in the property again because we don't just want to take their money if they're gonna make application, get approved, go see it in person, and say, "Oh, we hate this place." You know, you've just wasted fifty bucks. You're not gonna be happy. We're not gonna be happy because yeah, you're gonna be mad at us. You're gonna want your money back, (laughs) right? Um, So we don't want to go through that. Uh, We want people to see it. You know, and, and again, you you can pick up some intangibles when you're actually there, you know, with someone in person.
0: Yeah. The other interesting thing um, that we ended up doing there was you're like,
1: we just need to have an open house. Mm -hmm. And that seemed to go pretty well. It went exceptionally well. Yeah. And that was a way, honestly, just to deal with the flood of showings or the, the flood of inquiries. We had so many people inquiring that it was impossible to schedule with all of them. Um, we just had to hold open the property for a couple hours and say this is when you can come here's a couple hour window if you really want it come see it and we had a half dozen-ish folks who ended up coming and four of them expressed interest in making application two actually did make application and um, when you wanted to do that i
0: was like there's i was like okay all right, go for it, Jason. If you want to do it,
1: go ahead. But people showed up. Sure I was enough. surprised that people sure showed enough, up. Yeah. yeah, well, and that was um, that was different. You know, that's not something that I've ever done to advertise a, a rental vacancy before. But maybe it's something we do more in the future if we are able to replicate. And I think we will be able to replicate the uh, the marketing process such that we're driving that level of traffic. Yeah then I think the open house makes good sense. It seemed normal. I mean, people showed up and they
0: didn't seem freaked out or weirded out by it. They just, okay, it's open house. They go in, they look around, they ask questions. and they Yeah, and,
1: and people were, were very um, orderly about it. You know, people were, they were overlapping uh, visitors, you know, a little bit. And one would wait until the other one came out. And then, you know, they'd come in and then they'd go out. And then someone else would come in and they'd go out and it yeah. worked well. Uh, one thing I do think we
0: should... Um, I don't know if we put this in our listing or, or what, but <clears throat> there were a few a few times when people just randomly showed up.
1: Right.
0: Which was weird for me because I currently live in the other side. Right. Um, with, you know, my family and kids and stuff. And it was like, who are these people looking in the windows? Right.
1: <laughs> are they casing the joint or right. do they want to ring?
0: Yeah. Right. So I don't, you know, maybe we just put a, you know, by viewing only or something in the listing to – to try to help with that. I'm not sure if you'll prevent that completely, but
1: Yeah, probably not. I mean, people will people will drive by. Yeah. People are always gonna drive by. Now, whether they'll stop and get out and look in the windows, right? <laughs> it's another story.
0: Drive by is so, fine as long as you're not like creeping by being a creeper. Mm-hmm. But when you park in the driveway and walk out and look in the windows and that's too far. <laughs> That's too far.
1: Yeah. Well, especially when you're living next door. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So that's, uh,
0: that's really avoiding evictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about cash for keys. We talked about what we do. Um, so I want to circle back and end on this thought that people are, you know, people want to – people think of evictions and they just – procrastinate. Mm-hmm. Like if you're self-managing your your property and you have a tenant not paying, you get into this weird thing where you're like, "Oh, maybe they'll pay me. Hopefully they'll pay. Maybe I don't know. You basically want to avoid the conversation. Mm-hmm. We've talked about, you know, being willing to be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. But I think the way I see it is it's, you know, that's kind of the wrong mentality. Mm-hmm. Like we've already we've already talked about, you know, the basically uh, reducing the loss by getting them out, you can do it in kind of a humane, civil way or attempt to. Um, but what are some of the other benefits you think to actually having a sound eviction process, pursuing it when it's needed? You know, how do we get people? Oh, hold on. But for the investors who are listening, who maybe do self-manage their properties, how do we convince them that you know there's actually a lot of benefit in at least having this process mapped out and then actually pursuing it when you need to? What are the benefits?
1: Uh, well, benefits are increasing your rate of return, right? So if you're going to be a real investor, if you really care about making a return on your capital then you have to realize that the best way to do that is to minimize, minimize your costs um, and maximize your occupancy rate, right? So you've got to have tenants in the building paying you money and not bleeding money out for other expenses. So the eviction process is a fairly expensive process for most uh, landowners, property owners. It's going to be a month's rent give or take. So you want to avoid that cost. You want to maximize the revenue, the income by having people in there who are going to pay. So really you need to be proactive to avoid it, right? That's what we've spent most of the time talking about is don't put yourself in a position where you're going to have to do this, but understand that it's going to happen, right? If you own rental property, you will eventually evict somebody, you know, unless you own one that you rent to some you know little old lady for 30 years. I mean, if you own multiple rental properties for long enough, it's just going to happen. You know, the numbers will catch happen. up to you. Right. It's, it's just a numbers game. So you've got to play the numbers game on the front end by doing your extreme betting and making sure that you're Tradem- limiting. Trademark. That's right. Extreme betting. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, you're limiting The potential situations where you might have to evict somebody, getting the best possible tenants, um, but then also being prepared for the fact that this will eventually happen and I have to have policies and procedures in place in order to handle it. Now, that may be for someone who self-manages subcontracting that to a real estate attorney and having them do it like we've decided to do. Or it may be someone like the property manager who we alluded to earlier, who really just relished the eviction process, you know, because he thought everybody who didn't pay was a deadbeat, you know, and a bum and they deserve to get kicked out, you know. Um, But you do just need to realize that if you don't have uh, – what's the phrase? Uh, If you don't have a – a failure to plan is a plan to fail. Right. And so with the eviction process, if you have not planned that out, if you don't have a plan for how to handle it, then you're planning to fail at it. Um, You're also probably setting yourself up to handle people uh, on a case by case basis where you could potentially get accused of some type of unlawful discrimination is going to get you sued at some point. Right. So you really need to have, you know, policies and procedures in place in order to, to handle it fairly. Uh, Are there going to be crazy extenuating circumstances? You know, this tenant, uh, you know, is pregnant with triplets and, you know, is on bed rest for the last three months and can't pay. Like what do you do? Lord willing, no judge is going to look at you and say, you know, how dare you, you know, deviate from your policy, you know, for this extraordinary situation. Um, But, you know, by and large, you've got to have the policies and procedures in place to be able to handle it fairly quickly and efficiently so that you're able to minimize that prospective loss and get the property turned around and start making money again. Yeah, don't, don't stick your
0: head in the sand that's just foolish I mean that that alone should be enough benefit for you know an investor type person right. uh, but you can also think about it from if you're an active investor mm-hmm. you know do you really want to deal with that or do you want to spend a majority of your time finding new revenue mm-hmm. properties right. you know it's. I had a boss one time that said you want to be on the money team mm-hmm. not the not the cost team sure. You know, not having a um, not having a an effective and efficient way to deal with evictions is a cost. Mm-hmm. It's a liability in your investing business. Mm-hmm. So, just take the time, figure it out, and then manage it, and focus your time on finding new properties that you can buy, and generate more money. Um, the other thing that stuck out to me is. Uh, wait a while back now, we had Will Peters here. Mm-hmm. His big thing was, you know, I just want peace of mind. When I go to sleep at night, sure. I want peace of mind. So nothing. I think this is like the 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 biggest non peace of mind topic in owning real estate is the need. You know, at some point I'm gonna have to evict somebody, and you just get turned up inside thinking about
1: it. Sure. Well, and honestly, it's it's the reason that people who swear off real estate investing swear off real estate investing, right? You'll talk to somebody, you'll express some interest in starting to invest in real estate and they'll say, oh no, don't do it. I did that. It was awful. You know, I had the worst experience. You can't make any money in real estate. It's terrible. It's like, man, real estate has created more millionaires than any other investment. You were just terrible at it. You were just (laughs) terrible at it, right? Whether it was you know, you, you bought the wrong properties at the wrong time in the wrong place, or more likely than not, you are just very bad at vetting tenants. And it's all about the tenants. If you get good people who stay long-term and pay their rent, keep good care of the property, man, they are worth their weight in gold. And you will make good money investing in real estate. But if you are evicting people every couple of months, if you're evicting people on average, you know, from a property on average once a year, you're losing a month of revenue. Most likely you're adding a month's equivalent of a month's worth of revenue in cost. And so you've basically made your, and and that's assuming then you're able to turn around and get it rented right away. I mean, you could potentially be having what is an effective, you know, 75% occupancy rate or 25% vacancy rate you can't make money doing it that way. You know, it's just, it's not going to work. You've got to have, you know, a 90, I mean, really 95% plus occupancy rate in order to be able to, to absorb, you know, the other costs of, of operating real property over the life of the investment. You know, if you're at a 25% vacancy rate, if it's not, you're not again, making money. Ninety five percent plus occupied. You're not making money. Yeah, and and
0: and you know, pray that they don't trash the place on the way out. Right. And now you have several thousand dollars of Amen. cleanup you got to do. Okay. Uh, so peace of mind, money, opportunity costs. Um, I think, I think people just, oops, I think people just generally will. Like you better too if you have a process around it, because you can fall back on that and say, you know, it's not personal. It, it, here's here's what we do. It's not personal. I want to help you. Here's the cash for keys offer. Let's let's get you going. Um, what else? Is that it? I mean, that's that, that's it. Yeah, should be enough. Should be. Get an eviction process.
1: Calls if you have questions. All right.